Hello, you're listening to Wine Blast, the podcast that brings wine to life with a smile. With me, Susie Barry, and my husband and fellow master of wine, Peter Richards. Yeah, so here we are again. Still with a big smile. <laughs> <laughs> How much of this is to do with the fact that today's episode is all about rosé? It's everything. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, we're easily excited or mm. excitable yeah. when it comes to wine, but but Rosie just has yeah. that special mm. pink power to raise a smile, <laughs> um, lift the spirits. Um, it's, it's, I think it's just something about the sense of fun. Um, mm. I don't know mm. why, but, well, I love it. Yeah, but not everyone does, do they? No, no, no that's true, that's so, true. Actually, now that I think about it, perhaps this would be a really good point to just share a quick clip. Rosé is a crime, isn't it? It's <laughs> it's a travesty. And look, I don't make these rules, Peter, but if, if you like drinking rosé, you're, you're a bad person. I can, I can already tell this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, but we'll come on to all of this uh, in a second. Uh, before we started in earnest, I just wanted to say, <clears throat> have a moment to say how proud I am uh, that I still haven't been furloughed. From, from the podcast. Yet. Um, <laughs> this time. Oh, that felt like a threat. I've got that hanging <laughs> in my well head be. now. <laughs> but, I, you know, I wanted to be positive. I wanted to, I'm struggling to get the wind back on my sails now. I was <laughs> moving on in a positive way to say thank you to everyone uh, who joined in the uh, our Instagram live with the Wine Society the other day. That was, it was a lot of fun, wasn't it? It was, it was. It was fun. It was delicious. Uh, chaotic at times. <laughs> um, but but it, what I realised is it's so difficult to choose three wines. Yeah. I mean, so, so, so we ended up choosing six, actually. Yeah, which is cheating. It was, which, it was cheating. Is cheating all right on things like Desert Island Wines? I think it, oh, cheating's all right with everything, isn't it? Most surely, things, surely. But it is a great idea. I mean, I think everybody should try it. And <laughs> if you could just only choose three wines for your Desert Island, which ones do you go for? That is very, very true. It's hard. It's really hard. It's really, really hard. But but it's, it's a good exercise and it's quite fun. And I think we did all right. I think we? we did. I think we picked some interesting job. That, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and you can you can you can see it, listen to it. Um, it's all on the Wine Society's IGTV highlights, I believe. Um, mm. So you can see us, listen to us. Um, I, I think my highlight though mm. was <laughs> when we we did totally lower the tone, didn't we? And we introduced our drinking buddies. Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd almost forgotten about that. She's honest. I think I might. You probably blanked it. <laughs> suppressed them. I don't know. Oh, that was fun, wasn't it? They are the best thing, though, aren't they? They are. Should we just have a quick word on drinking boats? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I know we've, I'm not sure what the Wine Society members made of it all, but they they have, um, they have brought a ray of sunshine into our household. They, they have. I mean, they were introduced to us by your sister. They were. So, yeah, we went to, went to have lunch with my, my, my lovely sister and it was a great barbecue lunch. But what, what blew us away, she had these little drinking buddies. Now, they are, they're little plastic men. Men. That they think, ha- think Ken hang, and Barbie, but think, tiny. Yes, think Ken. Well, you hang on the side of your glass. Um, they're wearing only little sort of speedo trunks, aren't they? They're, they're very buff. <laughs> uh, and they're wearing little speedo trunks with their names on the back, so you can read them. Uh, you know, uh, Mitch. Mitch, Brad, Cody. Cody. I think, um, I think this could be an American Chad. thing. Chad. It anyway, is a little bit they, American. They, they are, I think but I they, had Mitch, and uh, I knew which was my glass, yeah. which is always so a good thing. So they enable you to, to, to tell your glasses apart. <laughs> anyway, we'll we'll put a photo on our which show notes, I think. Uh, they are they are hilarious. <laughs> uh, I think every real wine lover should have should have a set of their own drinking well, buddies. Well, now I think you're right, actually. Yeah, I mean, you can get them that are the queen. Uh, <laughs> slightly more yeah, dubious is... Jesus, mm. water into wine mm. and all that sort of thing. Yeah. And you, apparently you can even personalise them. Personalise. So there's no end to the fun. That's, that's, um, or you can just call me Brad or, or Chad. Or a big queen. 
Anyway, moving on. <laughs> at that point, I think it's, we always get to a yeah. point where we know it's definitely time to move it's on. It's time to move on. That, so, that so, is precisely the good moment. idea. Good idea. Rose. So, so we asked people <laughs> on Twitter what their favourite style of rosé is. Just one name: a wine they love. And it kind of went a bit mad, didn't it? It did. It did in a really, really good way. I think, you know, obviously it struck a chord. We had, you know, hundreds of responses, you know, mentioning wines from all over the place. And we're going to have to try now. We're going to have a go at remembering pretty much where they were. Okay, so so, uh, we definitely had England. We had Provence, okay, yeah. those are the two we key ones, and then all over. The Barossa, Portugal, mm-hmm. yep. uh, Champagne. Uh, so lots of French areas, as well as Provence. We had like Tavel, we had Bondol, Palette. Burgundy uh, even, Burgundy. We had Burgundy, which is yeah. interesting. You don't often yeah. think of Burgundy, do you? No, Loire. Um, have we said Champagne? Yeah, I said that, Champagne. That really cropped up, didn't it? Um, yeah. Spain, obviously, big rosé country. But then we had places like Austria. Uh, Greece, Georgia. Greece, I mean, yes. literally. New Zealand, Ontario, Chile in terms of New World, and USA. Yeah. Uh, Argentina, I think I mentioned as well, didn't it? And places like Rioja. Yeah. I, I did love the Peru. Peru, Peru. Not an obvious one. We had but, you know. a smorgasbord. We did. Of rose we did options, indeed. We did. Which is um, great. I know, I know. It was, it was great. I think we even had rose cider, which is slightly cheating, probably. I think that's totally cheating. But, but then we've already endorsed cheating, haven't we? We so have, we, struck, we, have. we haven't got we a leg to we stand on. But I did like the people who were brutal. Honest. Um, Adrian said his favourite rose was generally the one in the fridge. Uh, Robert wrote his favourite was the one I'm drinking at the moment. And then Stuart said his favourite was cold. Just all very practical, which is quite like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no nonsense. No, practical. no, no. Yeah. It's there. I'll drink it. Yeah. And there were, there were other people who kind of went large on it, didn't they? So so Richard uh, just tweeted a photo of, of not just a bottle of Provence Rosé, but, but a Magnum. We like <laughs> your style, Richard. Style, Richard. Um, and then Nick from the Finest Bubble just said one word. He just said, Cristal. That's so Nick. So Nick. And, and, we and love uh, you, there, Nick. Were, there were plenty of others, sort of, but carrying on the Prestige QV uh, champagne theme, John also wrote, just wrote, Louise Pomery, 89 or 91. Very I mean, specific. Very specific, John. Kind of like that in a way. I mean, some people went slightly off script, didn't they? Uh, fellow <laughs> MW Rod Smith wrote, I'd rather drink most roses than almost any Torrentes. Torrentes is what comes out of Satan's posterior. <laughs> He didn't write posterior, of course, but you get the gist. Um, I'm not sure what Torrentes, um, that famously aromatic white grape variety typical of Argentina, has done to Rod, Mm. but I think it must be bad. I, I think it must be. Yeah. I, think I mean, I have, to, I have to say, I have criticised Torrentes. You have, myself, so, so you can. You know, you have, I, I can hardly speak. But you um, can't speak. It was just the way you phrased it. It was, it was almost a cry for help. So, Rod, yeah. we are here for help. If you want to reach out to us, <laughs> we can help with Torrentes related. I'm not sure we can. Trauma. No, we probably can't. Actually. <laughs> we can sympathise. We can give you white burgundy or something nice like ah, that. But, you know, maybe that's the way through it. But yeah, I do, I do worry about that. Uh, you know. Uh, anyway, uh, we we did have protests, as ever. You know, we always have protests. We do. Sort of thing. So David we do. Wrote, we're hoping for some protests. David wrote, just one? Just one rosé? Sorry, I can't do it, he wrote. He said, he said um, um, it's harder than having to pick just one Chablis. Mm. Now, I, in one hand, I quite like that. It is. Because it is hard. But also, uh, just one Chablis. It sounds like the title of a future episode, doesn't it? <laughs> just one Chablis. <laughs> Can we do that? We could, we could possibly, but but at the moment it's rosé. But it is hard, isn't it? I mean, just thinking of one rosé to call your favourite. I mean, Mm -hmm. we tried it, we ended up having an argument, obviously. Um, But I did like Hugh Johnson's intervention. Um, Well, I probably always like Hugh's interventions. But he, he was typically calm and definitive. He just wrote, Justin's Be Pink is the answer. Is he right? He, he should be a counsellor of some kind. <laughs> he, he always manages to just to just gently and nicely to put a 
definitive end to, yeah. to Lucy's Yeah, and I really love it. You're right, it's a proper intervention. Thank you, Hugh. And I think um, that's something we can agree on, it's actually. It's definitely because, something um, we can we, agree we on. We love Justin. We do, we, we absolutely do. So, so Domain we, of the Bee. Yeah, Domain of the Bee, Bee Pink. Um, and we featured him on our, one of our first ever episodes, didn't we? we I did. think episode three, when we talked about Magnum Jenga and Wine Gogglebox yeah, and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. But his, his rosé is absolutely delicious, southern French dry, beautiful packaging. Lo- it do looks great, it tastes great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a bit different, you know. Um, and then Randall Graham, a world-famous Californian winemaker, mm. took a similar approach to Hugh mm-hmm. when he wrote uh, Closebon hashtag that is all and we can't disagree with him either frankly these, these great men of wine they know how to make an intervention on Twitter don't they I mean we did have quite a few ind- individual names actually but now you mentioned it Sibon uh, was definitely one of the ones that kept crop- cropping back up um, you never know whether it's the sort of Twitter, uh, you know, um, lens on things. But, you know, it was a name that people kept talking about. This but it's, is, but it's, it's a great wine, but we're going to talk great, about that We are going to talk about it. It's a sort of rare cru um, classe in, in, yeah. in, in, in Provence on a, on a Mediterranean coast. We, um, coast. We've been researching a little bit more since since uh, since, yeah, since well, this came up. And it is fascinating, us, isn't it? it? Uh, fascinating, because, partly because it's, it's based a lot on this Tiborin grape variety which none of us know at all it's really rare and ancient and they sort of rescued it post phylloxera and they're one of the few people really majoring on it it's great wines it is it is we'll talk about that we will uh, some of our favorite roses in the world definitely Um, but we need to we need to we're agreeing on that we'll we'll do that in a moment but uh, (laughs) but what we're going to be doing Mm. is mentioning some of our favorites later on and Mm. and then putting on the website uh, on our website show notes so that uh, you know our favorites Um, Mm. but we should conclude this Mm. bit by saying that Provence Rosé, the famous pale dry style from the south of France, was the clear winner in our poll, wasn't it? Yeah. Or, or I would say Southern French Rosé in mm. general, especially when when you add in the likes of, of Bondol and, and Tavel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although um, Rosé Champagne was also another strong category, was it? We, I'm not sure we were slightly focused. We were trying, I think the question was more loaded towards still Rosé. So Rosé Champagne was cheating a little bit. But actually, <laughs> it got a lot of support. Oh, come on. No, no exactly. No, and it's great. On. And I totally, totally yeah, endorse it. But yeah, I think yeah. it would be one of your one of your top choices, wouldn't it? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. You know, great rosé champagne is is pretty spectacular. And slightly underrated. It can be more expensive, but actually the good versions, they can actually be more complex the than, the, than, ones, than yeah. the normal ones currently. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's definitely a good shout. England also uh, got a lot of champions, yeah, which is great to see. Rightly so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, so we're going to get into a bit into this I think all a bit now because yeah. we want to explore this rosé thing a little bit more yeah yeah, because the, the market data shows it is a category that's popular right now without mm. doubt across a range of styles from the, yeah. the sweeter wines like the Blush or White Zin mm-hmm. uh, to dry posher Provence style well put, roses well and, and everything in between. Uh, even Kylie Minogue's got one, which we talked about in a yeah, previous episode. Yeah, quite a few celebs are in there now, aren't we? There's a lot we of celebs. We just saw a new one yeah. today. Another uh, one today, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, um, but um, what we wanted to do was to get some expert and perhaps even controversial views from mm. around the wine world on this subject. Uh, we started with uh, Lee Isaacs, who, when he's not working in wine, is a part-time stand-up comedian, a mm. Pink Floyd superfan and mm. proud wearer of strikingly <laughs> colourful, often floral, shirts. Well said. Uh, you can find him matching wines to guitar riffs uh, on Twitter under his handle WineMan147. Uh, but I asked him to take a short break from all that and sort his view on rosé. Well, how can I put it? Let, let's be honest, I'll, I'll cut straight to it. You know, rosé is a crime, isn't it? It's <laughs> it's a travesty. And look, I don't make these rules, Peter, but if, if you like drinking rosé, you're you're a bad person. I mean, it's just, if, if we look historically at people who have drunk rosé, let's address this, uh, Joseph Stalin, definitely. 
uh, Skeletor, who you will remember from He-Man, of course. I don't remember him. I don't remember him being a rosé drinker, but I may have missed that in my youthful naivety. Youthful exuberance, let's call it that. Um, and, and Beelzebub. So if you want to keep the same company as those three individuals, I would say, who am I to judge? I'm clearly judging. It's, it's terrible. So, so, so why is it a crime? What's Rosé's crime, Lee? That's what I want to know. Well, I'll put it this way. So when I, I used to work for the Oxford Wine Company and I was their South American specialist because I travel out there and the owner of the business, we were doing a, a buyer's tasting one day and he asked me, uh, is there any good Argentine rosé? My, my rather witty riposte was, is there any good rosé from anywhere? To which one of my colleagues pointed out that perhaps my issue with rosé was that I'm not comfortable enough in my own masculinity to be seen drinking something pink. Now you've seen the shirts I wear, I can attest it's most definitely not that. I'm just capable of making my mind up. Oh, should I have white? Should I have red? I can't decide. I'll have this thing that's in the middle, doesn't really do anything. Make your mind up. It's, it's, there's so many great whites so many great reds, you will find something in one of those two arenas that does what you want. So what you're saying is that rosé is the choice for indecisive people? You could say that, yes, ultimately. People who just can't make a decision. That's exactly what it is. Now, you, uh, we had a, a Twitter, wonderful Twitter conversation recently involving lots and lots of people. You were quite outspoken. Um, and you were accused of blasphemy. Uh, and that was, that, that was also in all capitals blasphemy, I, I, I hasten to add. And, and, and of being a, and of being a, a miserable g- I mean, how do you respond to your critics, Lee? Anyone that wears shirts like this is demonstrably not a miserable g- uh, how can I be a miserable g- if I do stand-up? Nobody miserable has ever done stand-up. People, <laughs> people will respond to that and go, Jack D's miserable. He's a character. He's playing character. He's not miserable. I- I'm full of joy. I, I look for the joy in life. Uh, and I work very hard to find it, even in the hardest of places. And I can't find it in Rosé because it's not there. Stop it. Uh, right. So, however, and, and I want you to, to, to talk to us about this. You say your favourite bottle in your entire wine collection is a bottle of rosé but you'll never drink it so please explain this for us of course so uh, as you will know chateau miraval now famous because it's owned by uh, brangelina uh, i believe before it was fully owned by by brangelina they they still made wines at chateau miraval and chateau miraval historically was a recording studio now you name the act and they have recorded there so i think who recorded there the Rolling Stones recorded Exile on Main Street, which is a great album. It's just got terrible mixing at its first release. Elton John recorded Yellow Bit Road. And Pink Floyd recorded some of the sessions for the Wall album. Now, I'm a, I'm a big music fan, and my favourite band, as with any decent right-thinking individual, is Pink Floyd. You know, anybody would acknowledge... There's, there's no ifs or buts there, they're the greatest band of all time. People go, oh, the Beatles! No, nothing on Pink Floyd. Now, Chateau Miraval very imaginatively made a Provençal rosé, so a nice pale pink bottle, and it was called the Pink Floyd. And I used to sell this, and it was great because, you know, the marketing wrote, wrote itself, you know, do you like to feel comfortably numb, spend some time with this bottle, it's not a lot of money, you know, all those sorts of things. I should add that, that uh, to, for those of us who aren't massive Pink Floyd fans, we, a lot of this will be going over our heads. Play Pink Floyd Bingo if you're listening to this. I'll squeeze in as many titles as I can. Now, 
we had a so, so I ran a shop in Oxford and we had a sister shop in Tetbury and there was a customer at the sister shop in Tetbury called Nick Mason for, for those people who, who are unaware Nick Mason is the drummer in Pink Floyd so I would always badger my colleague who ran that shop and say look when he places an order please let me deliver it I will deliver on a Sunday afternoon if needs be I'd love to meet Nick Mason my favorite band big heroes etc that never happened now I went away to Argentina to get married my wife is from Argentina I came back um, for some reason my wife said yes well she said see and we had a meeting and my colleague around the Tetbury store was there and as I left the meeting he gave me a, a bag with what was clearly a bottle inside but he said here's a wedding present for you I got back to my shop and I opened it and it is a bottle of the Pink Floyd Rosé signed to Lee and Adriana best wishes Nick Mason so I, I, it's probably the last bottle of the Pink Floyd Rosé that exists. It's 2011 vintage. Uh, and, and no, of course, I, I, I won't drink it. And that's because it's Rosé. So it's just utterly terrible stuff. <laughs> that is a fantastic story. Thank you, Lee. Just final question. You obviously, you know, you have your, your, your tongue in your cheek. You, you deal with wine, with humour, with, with, I don't know, just, just a brilliant, original, fun take on the subject. How important do you think humour is when talking about wine? Personally, I think it's absolutely vital. So wine is still, to, to many people, shrouded in this mystique and awe and mystery. And there's, there's still this idea that you have to have any idea about it to be able to enjoy it, which, of course, is, is not true. So I use humour. The, the reason I kind of say the things I do is it, it, my sort of my background as a stand-up comedian and, and if you've ever seen me do stand-up you'll question if whether I have a background in it or not is I think it's fun to take a point of view to satirize it so you have to take a really absurd position and what that does is it makes your audience or in this case wine tasting it makes those people want to stand up and want to share their views so when I say rosé is dreadful I guarantee somebody in that room will be brave enough to go this guy's talking rubbish to which they will say I like rosé and I just tell them that they don't, they just think they do. And then what, what you can do with that is you take that absurd position and over the course of time that I speak, I just slowly deconstruct my own argument to show that my own position is utterly untenable. So I can play that part of a wine snob and say you should only drink these things, but by the end of it, it's complete nonsense. And I just think it's, it's just such a way of breaking down those barriers about myself, or me, you know, the, the, the area I work in about wine, and hopefully it just opens a few doors for people. Well, I think I think it's absolutely brilliant, and, and you are fantastic. I think people should, your, your sort of tasting notes with your guitar uh, on, on social media should be mandatory viewing for wine students. Um, but Lee, thank you so much indeed. No, absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Rosie is a drink for the indecisive. <laughs> Gotta love him, haven't you? I mean, of course, as with anything in wine, there are some people who just don't like rosé, mm. and that and that's okay. Mm. Um, but it is a shame because there are so many different styles of rosé out mm. there. There is, and it's almost like you know, if you try enough, you will find someone, you know, something something you like. that you like. Yeah, I, I think so. I think right. so. But uh, you know, um, we don't want to hector. And, uh, but it is something that's really, really interesting. It's something that definitely came up when I spoke to Elizabeth Gadway uh, afterwards, a fellow master of wine and something of a, a global rosé authority. I think it's fair to say. Uh, she lives in southeast of France and she recently published uh, her book, The Excellent Rosé, Understanding the Pink Wine Revolution, uh, which is published by Classic Wine Library. Now, I started by mentioning that rosé seemed to be having something of a moment. 
suppose partially also the nice weather. Um, it's been having a moment for the past 20 years. So it's a bit like an adolescent that never grows up. It's still having its moment. Uh, and I think what's interesting is that that moment is shifting slightly. So we're getting two moments or three. Explain. That sounds fascinating. So I think there's the, the big volume moment that we're seeing with big brand names, lots of marketing money. You know, we hear things like Whispering Angel, they have four million bottles or Minuti has five million and they're competing on the millions and great big marketing budget. And you see the same wines uh, coming through, a beautiful presentation, very classic, uh, very beautifully made. Um, and this is the, the big moment that everyone sees, the, the generic, uh, the consistent style. And then the other moment that I'm seeing, which I'm far more interested in, I have to admit, is the quirky niche off the cuff. Small producer, I was talking to an Austrian producer last week who makes a Solera and Rosé in Amphora, and it's fantastic. That sounds amazing. Who, who, who's, who's, who's making that? Uh, Johannes Zillinger. But that's... Uh, me that is the second moment there is a really big build-up in niche terms a bit the orange wine equivalent of rosé and and that is growing in momentum as people like you and i kind of go yes that brand name in the super duper bottle is lovely but you know we would like a, a wine that challenges us so you're seeing it as a, as a two two stream thing but it's the, the big the big bucks are also bringing in their wake a more interesting, niche, quirky side of rosé too. Exactly. And I think one needs the other in that the, the big bucks one does keep the, the interest going financially. But when restaurants choose to reopen, when restaurants are allowed to reopen, I think that's where sommeliers are going to come into their fore and say, you don't want X, try this. Interesting. Now, I've heard uh, you, the, the big bucks ones you mentioned there are sort of Provencal, aren't they? South of France, dry styles of rosé. Um, I've heard people saying that Provence is having a real moment at the moment and it's, it's really successful. And it's almost like the uh, Provence is to rosé what champagne is to sparkling wines. Would, would you agree with that assessment? I do wonder how much of this connection is lifestyle. You know, the rosé luxury lifestyle, the champagne luxury lifestyle. And I, I don't think it relates necessarily to wine. I think the consistency of quality in Provence is its big bonus. You know, you can buy wine from Provence and it does have a consistency of quality level, whether or not you like that particular estate. So from that point of view, yes, it is the champagne of rosé. But, and this is always my big bone of contention, wine for me is an artistic product. And I don't want necessarily consistency. I would like consistency of quality. But what I'm hoping for, and I keep pushing Provence producers, get that quirky bottle that I know you make, that you sell only to the local friends. Get that out. Let's stimulate us. When you think about it as a journalist, and, and people say to me, why don't you write about Provence? And I said, because nothing new has happened in the past 10 years. Ott has now got its expensive bottle. Um, you know, th there are these expensive bottles, but it's not dynamic. Interesting, Liz, and that, that brings me on to another point. Some people, as became clear in our in our rosé discussion on Twitter, uh, there may have been tongues in cheek, but it's quite clear that, that rosé is not for everyone. And some people really take exception to rosé and really don't like it. What do you say to them? 
So you know how you can have ex-smokers who are the worst um, about all of that. Um, I was an anti-rosé person. I did not touch rosé. I was a red wine drinker. I like red wine. And then when I started doing the book, I was, I, you know, I started off with all the basic wines. And then as the, the more exciting wines came in, and I now actually find it the most dynamic and most challenging sector of the wine trade, because there are so many winemakers trying to prove against the stereotype. So I do understand where people are coming from. And believe me, I taste a lot of dull rosé. So I can still understand that. And do you, just for the record, do you think, do you think uh, good rosé ages well? Yes. <laughs> so my oldest was a 1959 Cabernet d'Anjou, which was And how was amazing. that? It was, just, it was just full of dried apricots and peaches and creamy. And I mean, it was made by a Coteau de Leon producer, but it was absolutely divine. And, then and was the it dry oldest, or did it have a little bit of... No, it was uh, 28 grams of litre sugar, grams per litre of sugar. So it was but beautiful acidity and stunning. And the oldest dry rosé I had was a Negromaro from Puglia, 1976. And how was that? What did it taste like? Long, fresh acidity. It was made in their garage. No temperature control. None of that rubbish. And it was full of acidity and dried orange peel and um, dried cranberry type flavours. Um, far more complexity and richness. I mean, it was, sadly, it was only one bottle left, but I would have drunk it. Oh, sounds absolutely delicious. Now, you, you gave very kindly gave us gave me some recommendations on, on in our Twitter conversation. You, some of your top roses, uh, Vino Tondonia from Rioja, Claude Sibon, uh, Zillinger, who you just mentioned, uh, the Claude du Tomp. Um, you also mentioned, which I love, uh, Pink Port with hot, and I'm going to pronounce this wrong, but hot zocca, hot zocca. Now, um, I want you to explain that to me a little bit, and then I'm going to really push you, Liz, and ask you the impossible question. Come on ultimate your ultimate rosé of all of those you have to have one what's the ultimate rosé experience well, this is going to sound weird rosé retsina <laughs> you're right that does sound a bit weird talk me through it so i had this i was in greece with constantinos and uh, we went fellow to, master of wine yes uh to zekri um who is uh, one of the top retsina producers he does tear of the pine and they said, we've got a rosé. And I kind of thought, oh, this is like layering on the punishment here. And um, it has uh, the acidity and minerality and salinity that just gets your taste buds going. And he is such a good user of Retsina that it just gives it that little whiff of, you know, Mediterranean pine, but the structure and the weight. And it, it's a fantastic food wine. What an amazing recommendation. I never even knew that Rosé Retsina existed before. Liz, I always learn so much when I talk to you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Rosé Retsina. Who knew? <laughs> I know. I mean, I, I, I want to try it, I don't know. you? I'm intrigued, but I'm also slightly scared. Yeah. I don't know yeah. why. I and be. actually, what was also intriguing is the fact that Liz wasn't a Rosé lover before she wrote the book. That really is. Um, so you can be converted. 
I think and, you can. and they are joyful, wonderful wines. You know, if you find the right ones. Anyway, I also thought it was good to see a flying the flag for the quite niche styles, the sort of funky, challenging ones, which yeah. we, I think we're going to come on to. Um, but we we love as well, and also the sweeter styles. You know, yeah. like the um, the Cabernet and Rosé d'Anjou, which can often have that little bit of sweetness to them. Um, often have been sort of overlooked, or, or, or you know, people have people have been a bit snobbish about them in the past, haven't yeah. they? But actually, yeah, yeah. she 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 picks them up, which is great to see. And also the older styles. You know, we should be trying some of these, shouldn't we? We should, but I'm not sure we'll ever be able to because Rosé just is never going to hang around long enough in this house for us to try an older <laughs> right. Rosé. So we, we have to ask someone to bring some. <laughs> Somebody's going to have to bring some for us. <laughs> That's You've a got plea. More, more patience than us. That is, um, that is a public plea. Now, we also wanted to hear the view from the retail sector, didn't <laughs> mm-hmm, we, we did. about what's happening on the high street. So uh, you asked Jack Merrilies from Majestic Wine what was selling well at the moment. Yeah, so it's been one of the the kind of big success stories of lockdown. Uh, probably unsurprising for all of us who have been able to get out into the garden or into fields or, or what have you with a nice bottle of pink. So I think it's it's been a really interesting one. You know, volumes have been up kind of over eighty percent. So it's it's really as a style people are exploring more. It's it's a pattern we've seen continued over the last couple of years at Majestic. So I wouldn't. It, it's obviously been accelerated due to lockdown, but I think it's something that's that's been coming for a while uh there's certainly a more growing seriousness and appreciation of different styles and and actually the, the quality you can get in rosé is rosé still a seasonal product is it mainly about the summer no um i would say actually we've seen it year in year out now kind of we see a big spike at christmas as well i think there's a lot of kind of people who they just see it as a treat for themselves i think during heat waves you do definitely see that kind of those peaks and troughs certainly and and that's been evident in lockdown as well but I think actually it's part of a wider trend that that people are just learning that they can appreciate rosé in different ways it's it's a brilliant versatile style that you can you know different food and wine pairing lots of people kind of like seafood around Christmas time you get you get the kind of Provencal styles uh, coming into play there um so it's it certainly increases when the sun is out, but it's something that people are just trading into and it's it's part of their everyday kind of purchasing as well. I love the idea about rosé, you know, being year round and, and, and something that look, people look for, for versatility with food. I mean, do you think there's a, there's a sort of escapism element as well to it? You know, you have a bottle of rosé when maybe at Christmas it's all cold and you, you want to think of, uh, of, of lovely food and wine in, in quite exotic locations. Definitely. And I think there's also the other fact we always kind of, we, we mentioned, I don't know, I don't have any stats on this, but there's there's an Instagram factor as well. I think there's a very nice. I mean, it it always looks lovely in the glass, and um, and a lot of the packaging is fantastic. You look at people like kind of Chateau de Bern and Aits and Minuti. You know, some of our best sellers. They're all in lovely shaped bottles, and and they make a great picture. Um, and actually, when you look at what we get tagged in on Instagram on Majestic, quite often it it'll be people buying rosé. So I think there's a there's those factors as well and there's the lifestyle like you say there's the aspirational quality and and there's the quality of the wine itself pink as far as i understand is a very popular color on instagram that's about as much as i know i don't know why but there we go um so so you talked about provence styles there um you know what kind of rosé is proving popular right now from from you as a retailer you'll see you got some hard you know you get data on this you know as far as i could could see in the past it's always been about sort of sweet sweeter styles like blush or, or rosé d'anjou um but but is that still the case what i mean what are the hot styles right now so i think we're quite different at majestic um i think our average price point for a bottle of rosé is certainly higher than than the rest of the market um and that is because we are such a dominant provence 
retailer. I mean, it's it's a huge part of our range. It's it's a big kind of, you know, I think actually over the last few years, a lot of our customers has driv- have driven that trend uh, through kind of the producers I mentioned earlier. Um, but actually, during lockdown, we we have seen a bit of a change. So we've seen we've seen English rosé really come to the fore. So mm. our sales of English still have have doubled over the last couple of months, and a lot of that has been through rosé. Um, so we've kind of brought on board people like Simpsons Estate. Uh, we've kind of rolled out the Chapel Down still rosé um, across the estate as well. And actually, we're seeing a lot of people trade into those. Why do you think? Why do you think that is uh, with English? Sorry to, to interrupt, but is that just people wanting to buy local to, to support local, or is that is it because they're genuinely excited about the quality and the styles? I think a there's a little bit of during lockdown, people have had time to actually really think about what they're buying a little bit more, and we're seeing that played out through all kinds of different stats. You know our the amount of time people are spending on our website, for instance, has doubled. People just have a bit more time to maybe read and think about what, what they want to buy. Um, and actually, so you're seeing a real increase in the kind of more esoteric regions that we, we've we stopped for a while and all of a sudden they're having a bit of a halo effect. So there's been some kind of really interesting increases in, in what people are buying. England has actually been one of the biggest benefactors of that. Um, I think when it comes to rosé in particular, there's a bit of a they look quite similar to Provence they've got the kind of quite nice crispness um but actually I think it's selling them short to just describe anything that is pale pink as Provencal so if you look at something like the Simpsons estate rosé that we do it's got a lovely kind of saline character it's Pinot Noir it's not it's not the same as a Provence rosé it's it's got its own style and I think that's something that people are kind of now exploring a little bit more they've got a bit more time they're thinking a bit maybe about what what they're buying and they're also there seems to be a willingness to to kind of try something new and i, I know we've um at majestic we've we've rolled out five or six new ranges whilst we've been under lockdown you know our biggest strength normally is that you can come in and you can talk to our staff and you can taste and that's normally how we get new wines into people's baskets but actually during lockdown we're still seeing a really good increase in the amount of new wines people are buying from us and i think that is just simply because people are when you're stuck in four walls you know you you want something to explore you want to be able to discover something new and and wine is is almost unique in that you know you can be sat in your you know top floor flat in central london and still be able to taste something from around the globe and it gives you that chance to kind of read and appreciate and learn a little bit and you know what better escapism really so english wine has has certainly benefited from that and i think it's great because actually the quality has been there for a long time it's now that that kind of interest and expertise is, is catching up with it just going back to Provence, you said you, you lead the market in Provence, and you know you're a real leader in in selling drier styles from Provence. Uh, obviously, we're seeing Provence is having a bit of a moment. A lot of other rosés in the market are trying to to mimic that dry, elegant, sort of pale style of of Provence. We're also seeing a lot of big money bottles, celebrity endorsed bottles from Provence, uh, and you also, as far as I understand, because I well I I know because I bought some from you, you sell these styles in magnum as well so how are you seeing is there a sort of bling factor here are people just going large on rosé big names big prices uh, and that's part of the fun yes a little bit i think the great thing about provence and it, it goes back to what you were talking about earlier with the the aspirational quality you know they all have these nice little stories that you can kind of bed through the wine and and for a for a retailer like us that it's all about that experience in store and and the little stories our staff can then 
you know, tell you, which you will then repeat around the, the barbecue or whatever it is. Provence is fantastic for that. So the one I always love is, is Chateau de Burn in the, the great square bottle. And that was apparently designed because um, the owner wanted a bottle that wouldn't roll around on their yacht. And when you tell people that story, <laughs> it just instantly clicks and you're like, oh, right. Yeah, sure. That makes sense. I've got a yacht too. Um, <laughs> we all need so, bottles that don't we all need, yeah. on our yachts. Exactly. <laughs> Honestly, the amount of wine I've lost in the Mediterranean. Um, so there's, there's that angle. Um, actually, the bigger bottle thing is one of the one of the few styles, probably unsurprisingly, really, but we've seen a real drop off in Magnum, Magnum sales over, over lockdown because people aren't getting together and sharing them. So I'm sure for, for Rosé that, that time will come over the summer. You know, I've been, I've been guilty of it personally. It's just, it's just great turning up to a, to a barbecue or a house party with a magnum of Rosé. You, 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 feel, <laughs> you feel like the party's arrived. You'd be very welcome at any party of ours if you've got a Rosé, a magnum of Rosé, Jack. Uh, last question, what, what's your Rosé tipple of choice? I mean, I'm a big fan of the, the sparkling styles. Uh, so uh, Bouvet, Bouvet is always a lovely one um, from the Loire. Just the 100% Cabernet Franc. I think it's a really interesting one, um, particularly kind of traditional method. And then I have really been enjoying the, uh, like I say, the, the English wines as well. Um, so St. Rose, I think it's been a really, really nice introduction to the range. Um, and it's just interesting to see where it's, where it's going and, and where English wine could take us with the pinks. I think it could be a really, really exciting new frontier for, for homegrown wine. Jack Marley, thank you very much for joining us. Lovely to see you, Peter. Thank you. So magnums of rosé being a big thing, I, I know that. But no. pink being a big thing on Instagram, mm, hmm. no. but really interesting. Yeah. And, and actually interesting to hear the rise of English rosé too. Yeah, yeah. No, it's great to hear. Good to hear it. I mean, we, we talk about it a lot, don't we? And we drink it a lot, but it's good to hear that it's sort of picking up, getting yeah. traction. And it also ties in, I think, with what Liz was saying, isn't it? That, you know, hopefully the success of the wider rosé category, which is always all a good thing, will help those slightly more niche styles come through uh, and be more sort of visible. Yeah. Um, you know, and interestingly, after we finished recording, Jack mentioned that Majestic's average rosé price is sort of between nine and ten pounds, which wow, apparently that's, that's is more than their average price for either white or red. No. Yeah, it really, really interesting. So, you know, there is good stuff out there and clearly we're buying into it, you know. Yep, indeed. I think we're partly responsible for all those rosé sales, quite (laughs) frankly. Um, But we also wanted to get a few in to try here now, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Um, So... We've got some on the table, haven't we? We have, mm. we have. So we were kicking off with Simpsons. So this is an English rosé sold by Majestic for between mm. 11 and £15. Pounds. Mm. Simpsons Estate Rosé, simple name. Mm. Uh, it's 2019 vintage. So Simpsons mm. are over in Kent. Mm. Lovely operation mm. over there. And this is just a lovely, self-assured rosé. I mean, it's refreshing. Mm. It's got a lovely English tang to it, but it's got some beautiful Pinot Noir fruit. It's, it's made from Pinot Noir. Mm. And I just think such a beautifully balanced and an engaging rose. Yeah, it was quite grown up, wasn't it? It's yeah. still got that lovely, lively acidity you expect from England, but it's yeah. not too much. And it's just the flavours are really nice and subtle and it's really foody. Yeah, I, I'm good. Smoked salmon. Smoked salmon, that's yeah. what it needs, that's isn't it? it? Yeah, indeed. we decided that. So, yeah, maybe we've also got something a little bit different. The Intipalca Valle del Sol Rosé from, uh, from Peru, like Paddington. <laughs> Uh, it's the 2018 vintage. This one, Paddington just, could say it quite like that. I don't think he drank rosé, did he? Wouldn't go well with his marmalade. Uh, it's about just over 10 quid from Corny and Barrow. Um, just something a, a, a 
a bit different, wasn't it? Now, yeah. you know, it wasn't our favourite, but it's, it's quite deeply coloured, isn't it? And yeah. it's a little bit disconcerting initially. Well, but what we felt was this was almost like drinking a, a paler version of a red wine yeah. that you could have chilled and it would be fantastic with a barbecue. Yeah. You know, some nice barbecued, marinated meat. It's got that, that Syrah taste to it. It's made from Syrah. And I thought really, really drinkable. It was re- it was drinkable, but it you know yes, light red, have with food, chilled something, and just something really different to put on the table. From yeah, group. yeah, yeah, lovely, yeah. Lovely, lovely. So our next choice uh, slightly split us, didn't it? Now mm. I don't know if I can even say this, Go but it. it's the Scassabarilla. Scassabarilla, something like Rosato. something like that. Rosato. It's mm. it's from it's from Calabria. Mm. Uh, it's made from. Mm. I'm, I'm, I should never have chosen this, should I? The Marsigliana Nera grape variety. It's organic. It's about thirteen pounds from the wine society i like this it's mm. deeper colored it's sort of like a deep onion skin color and then it's got a little touch of, of sweetness it's sort of off dry it's a richness like a sunny italian richness to it and i think because of that you know if you wanted to put it with something a little bit spicy in the way of food it would be brilliant see i know how much you like it because you're waving your hands around so much <laughs> it's, 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 it's just around. italian wines that you wave your hands around <laughs> that much for um yeah it was a bit too much for me i'll be honest but well, I did, had to be fair. I then did try it later on with a bit of more spicy salt, with a bit of spicy sausage, and it did work because yeah. of that sweetness. But I think it's a great one. It, it's, it's a bit the colour's a bit deep, but you know it's fine. It's fine if, if you like that style, colour. a little bit deeper, richer, with yeah. a bit of sugar, just a fine. touch of sugar. It wasn't yeah, too much. No, I, I, I'm, mm. I'm a fan of this one. So then we moved on to something you know much more expensive, and this is where I was uh, a big fan, and you weren't so much. And this was the Civite Las Fincas Rosado Garnacha 2018. Now this is fermentado en barrica. It says on the label, which which obviously means fermented in the barrels. This is one of the new breed of barrel-aged rosés. Um, £35, so, you know... The, the, punchy. You know, punchy. Yeah. Um, I loved it. You know, yeah. for me, it was a little bit tarty, but, I, you know, it's it's good quality oak. Yeah. I think you do get a bit of that red fruit. It does. It is a bit like a white Rioja, but, you know, I think you get a little bit of the rosé fun as well. I, I, I was sold. Um, my feeling about it was, you know, for £35, I could drink a really great white Rioja. Mm. Um, I, I, I found the oak just over overwhelmed the wine um, maybe that would given it's a, a barrel aged and it's an expensive wine with quite a lot of structure maybe over time this mm. is one to keep and age and that oak will calm down but I, for me it was just a little bit oaky not yeah. terrible but yeah. just, just a bit be, overwhelmed I think it would be really interesting to see where these oak, sort of new oak riochas, um, new oak roses go because yeah. uh, yeah, I yeah. think there is something in it yeah yeah. Um, no I mean I'm, I'm, I'm sure there is I'm open uh, to it beautiful it does uh, look curvaceous beautiful. bottle it's we've got a, in front of it's a gorgeous of bottle um, but we should move on to our final um, Oh, wine we have yes. here now this one we did not disagree on did we no, at no, all no. so this is the closer bond that we've been talking about mm. made from Tiboran. uh it's the grand cru oh, sorry it's a grand cru, sorry, grand cru? It's a grand 2018 classic yeah so of, yeah. of provence and it's just beautiful what i loved about this is it's got a the, the label is crazy which is is it's brilliant traditional, it's sort of traditional but in a really kind of full-on way and then it's it's got an amazing rustic sort of charm to it and texture the texture in your mouth it's so smooth Mm. and yet fresh balanced you know there's so much going on yeah it's a really serious wine isn't it and a lot of rosé isn't serious and that's absolutely cool but this has so much depth and flavor and intensity it's so it's a a rosé definitely made for food it's gastronomic you need it on the table as we did last night it went beautifully and and when we talked about rosé being between uh, you know we often talk about it being between a white and a red you know people who can't make up their mind no 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 this is where the white and the red come together perfectly Mm. it almost brings the best of red and best of white and 
yeah. it in a rose. So that's the answer to me, isn't it? It's not yeah. just not yeah, red, yeah. not white. It's the best of yeah, red yeah. and the best yeah. of white. Absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. Anyway, so this is twenty-eight pounds from from Red Squirrel, but we're going to be putting all these recommendations along with a few others that uh, that catch our eye or have caught mm, our mm. eye on the show notes on our website, susieandpeter.com. So you can find those there if you'd like to refer back to yeah, them. Yeah. So right to finish up, how about we do our top rosy tips? Go for it. Yeah. Okay. okay. Good idea. Uh, you go first. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Thanks. On the spot. Uh, well, yeah, mine would be try rosé with food. It, it's mm. very tempting to think of it just as something for a, a bit of a party, a bit of out in the garden, a bit frivolous, a bit of fun. But as Jack says, it works really well mm. with food. Mm. Um, you know, the way rosé is made, where you start off making it like a red wine and then you finish off by making it like a white wine. Mm. And and that can, and I think that gives you some of the body of the red wine grapes. And it's just... Yeah, it's hard to describe, but I think you've got to get get it on the table and try it with different foods. Okay, and it depends match. on the style Give of rosé. Give us rose. a specific match. Well, I mean, I, I love a, um, a modern classic, which I'm sure many people also love, uh, is rosé champagne and sushi. Get you. I know. It's, it's a bit posh, isn't it? <laughs> no. I'm what about, there, what about just, just Provence and fish and chips? Oh, yeah, everything with fish and chips. Works, <laughs> um, so my, my rosé tip would be to go quirky. Um, I think, you know, as we've discussed in this episode, as Liz mentioned, as we've said, you know, there are some fantastic, great, consistent rosés out there and they're very, very satisfying. But there's also a whole exciting universe of really kind of quirky, you know, challenging, eclectic styles, I guess, that that are well worth a punt. So, you know, my tip would be just don't don't be afraid to experiment and try something new, you know, like English or, or Peruvian. Like, you know, um, I mean, I can't wait to try that that Austrian Solera oh, Amphora. Yeah, that, that Austrian. Yeah, no, I'm, me too, me too. Anyway, and finally, one last tip. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this is this is a bit silly, but it's just fun. It's fun to go big with rosé, more so than I think any other other wine. So. Get yourself a Magnum. Um, obviously, you're going to have to only share it with the person in your house, but I don't mind that personally. A bit more for me uh, at know, the moment. Know, Magnums um, are for sharing, are they? Oh, I just have it by myself. Even <laughs> as long better. As I get one too. Even better. Uh, but but yeah, no, it's it's the kind of wine that you know yeah. get get a Magnum. Mm. Um, mm. Whether you're on your own or you just want to get a party going, yeah. brilliant. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think that's us. Yeah, uh, and that's it for Rosé. I, I don't think we. I don't think that's it for Rosé. No, it's not. As, as you rightly say, we haven't really haven't definitively answered this question. But you know, um, which question? We will carry on the debate. What What's the best Rosé in the world ever? <laughs> Um, on let's ice keep <laughs> um, yeah let's anyway. keep the debate going anyway i hope you we well we hope you've enjoyed the show if you have please do leave um a rating and review on your listening platform of choice we'd massively appreciate it and it will help other like-minded maybe rosé fans to mm. find and enjoy the podcast too uh, so thanks to lee thanks to liz and jack also to you for listening until next time cheers <laughs>